I have a few questions for you. Do you promise to answer my questions? Yes. If I happen to ask any questions about book recommendations, will you answer my questions? Yes. Okay. Not sure why everybody's laughing. I have no idea. I know Don Carson. <laughs> He's a good man. He's a good man. He's a really good man. And so are you. We'll save the book questions for the end. Thank you so much for being here. It was just a joy uh, to have you with us. I'm going to ask, well, we'll see how many questions we get through. We'll start with some that are more on the topic of our conference. So we're talking about compelling community, talking about the power of the gospel, making churches attractive. Now like that works. the stuff Alvin was just doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, community is, is, is obviously a buzzword today at times. It's fashionable in churches to talk about authentic community. Uh, pastors want churches with a vibrant culture because that resonates well with the outside world. Now, in view of this, one author has said, belonging comes before believing. That seekers must feel accepted first. They must feel a part of the community before they'll actually embrace Christ. What are your thoughts on that kind of thinking? Well, I, I can understand a kind of icy cold congregation you walk into when you're visiting, and that's not good. And if that author has that in mind, I'm right with that author. I, I think I know exactly what he means. I would just say there's also some other important ways we really want to help non-Christians by helping them know in the most profound sense they don't belong. And we're not really helping them if we make them think all there is to Christianity is coming to this meeting and being warmly greeted by people. So we have to be very careful that in our desire to be welcoming to outsiders visiting our meetings, that we give them the impression that things are great between them and God. So I love the way Alvin's boldness in just you know, talking to the people while he's giving them a ride about, you know, this fire, well, there's another one. I mean, that's I know. pretty crazy. That's bold. When he, I mean, that's, when he told me that, I was like, are you yeah, sure you said yeah. that? I mean... Yeah, so that's, that's good. Uh, and that's, that we need some, something in between what this guy is doing and what Alvin did. Yeah. Closer to what Alvin did. <laughs> Closer to Alvin, yeah. Closer to what Alvin did. When people come in, we, we want them to understand that, yeah, we are glad they're here. And we, we want to include them as friends in, in a meal that we're going to have or, or whatever we're going to do. But, but in the most important ways, if they're not a follower of Jesus, they're not part of what's going on here. We could all be singing the same song, but we're singing it out of our love to the Lord, and they're singing it just because the people around them are singing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're still alienated from that God, and there, there is a, a wonderful fellowship, a wonderful experience they can have with God and with others if they come to Christ. So whatever we do, we don't want to obscure that. And so these days, when people use that phrase, people want to belong before they believe, I think, well, I know what you mean. Um, I think it's hard for us culturally, or at least some of us culturally, to be clear and to communicate that someone doesn't belong. And yet we serve them really well when we do that, just like Alvin was serving them, both by including them, driving them, shuttling them, but also showing them how they weren't included in the grace of God until they repented and believed in Christ. A similar argument comes to us sometimes about church membership. Yeah. Okay, church membership, it's just too divisive. Right. You know, we bring up new, new members up at the front and pray for them in our mm. church service. They're invited to a, a special member meeting just yeah. for members. Now, a lot of churches, perhaps also where, where you're from, but here, uh, kind of internationally, kind of international churches, multi-ethnic churches where you have lots of 
different denominations present. One of the yeah. arguments is, no, we have to have a lowest common denominator theology, also a lowest common denominator kind of ecclesiology. So let's maybe do away with elders, let's do away with, with members, uh, because it's, it's, it's unnecessarily divisive. Mm-hmm. So how, how, would you, how would you answer that, this, kind of that saying, we, we want to be inviting as a church, does membership, is it, does it go too far in being divisive. Again, those are good questions. They're not bad questions. Uh, how good to have people are going to be thoughtful about what they're doing. Uh, but in the same way that in the book of Acts, we see the cross-cultural nature of Jewish and Gentile putting pressure on things, that doesn't make everything vanish. It just means what stays is the stuff that you really need. So if God the Spirit has revealed in the New Testament church membership, and I think He clearly has, if He's revealed eldership, in the local church, and I think he clearly has, then that's cross-cultural. That's all cultures. So whether or not your individual experience, you know, in South Africa or in Japan or in your church in Germany or in the U.S., incorporated membership carefully or eldership carefully, that, that may or may not be, and that's kind of your individual journey. But in Scripture, this is taught, which is why you will find churches in literally almost every country in the planet that will have church membership and elders because it's just there in the Bible. People are just going to keep... So everybody from Nine Marks could die tonight, you know, and nobody could ever write another book about membership from Nine Marks, and people are still going to be finding church membership and eldership because it's in the Bible. It's been happening for 2,000 years. It's going to keep happening until Christ returns. Okay, so it's okay to be divisive on the things the Bible tells us to membership, things like that. Well, what are some barriers, though? For for those of us, yeah, we, we get church membership... We're, we're teaching the Bible faithfully, growing in health as churches. What are some obstacles, some things that maybe we face in building biblical community? Well, I think the fundamental uh, enemy to building biblical community is always our own sin. Hmm. So the very kind of humility that Jonathan, I think, was exemplifying so well in, uh, in his talk just before dinner, uh, you know, where he was talking about his own, his own folly or foolishness at points. Without that... Uh, without that kind of humility, we can't really do membership and community very effectively. You know, so you need to be able to have enough uh, real, real relationships mm-hmm. where you can be honest with each other about specific ways that you see your need for Christ and specific ways you need His forgiveness this week you know, and today. And if we're not going to be honest like that, then our churches are going to be largely kind of you know, kabuki shows we put on for each other. They're not going to be real relationships. And one of one of the ways we foster that is one-on-one discipleship. Yeah. Is, is that spending that time just reading Getting God's Word, praying? Getting to know each praying. other. Yeah. Hmm. Having people walk into your front room and do a quiet time with you at six in the morning. I love yeah. that. A year and a half. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Jonathan's got a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> the, it Honey, why is there this strange man? <laughs> six a.m. Doors unlocked. Yeah. Uh-oh. Good illustration, though. Good story. Uh, here's something interesting about, about us here. Most of us will one day go back to our home country or to another country. We, we probably won't retire here, probably won't live here 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. probably won't die here. The District of Columbia, by the way, in the United States is the same. Really? Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll all have to one day attach ourselves to another church yeah. when we leave from here. In fact, in our church covenant at Redeemer, I believe at UCCD and, and, and other churches here as well, will have something like this in their covenant. It says, 
we will, when we move from this place, as, as soon, soon as, as possible, possible unite with some of the So you have church. this in your covenant as well? It could be. They well, we can stole the it from us. <laughs> we only steal from the best. <laughs> Plagiarism caught here by someone. Although we might have stole it from UCCD. That might have stole it from somebody. Anyway. That doesn't anyway, matter. Anyway. It doesn't matter. God is good. We're all getting All the time, here, God so, is good. Yeah. So... So you know the covenant, you yeah, know I'm the thing. Okay, I'm going to read it because not everybody else knows it. Sure, is that okay? I was going to do it with you. Okay, well, I yeah. guess we, I guess, well, there might be a change or two. We'll see. Okay, we will, when we move from this place, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where, where we, we can, can carry, carry out, out the, the spirit, spirit of this covenant, covenant and, and the principles, principles of God's, of God's word. word and His Bible and everything else He's ever said. That's not in yours, is it? <laughs> or in ours either. Okay, two questions on this. What are some things we can do today to prepare for that day when we move on to another church? Uh, just the better member you are in your current church, uh, the better you'll be in your church to come. Um, because your ability to humbly serve and do the kind of things we were thinking about from 1 Corinthians, love others, try to help them benefit and be blessed, are the exact same things you'll need to do in your next church. What types of things when we do move? So some of us you know, don't have that much longer here. What are some things when we go to our new church, new city? Uh, we had uh, one of our members, Holly, who came up to you this morning and said, I'm moving to Quito, Ecuador, and I will be looking for churches there. So for her and for the rest of us who may be moving this next year or so, or whenever that may be, what are some things we need to be looking for in a church? I think you would look for a church that has the right preaching of God's word, a good understanding of theology, especially of the gospel, uh, of a good practice of evangelism, of uh, church, a, a good understanding of conversion, a good uh, practice of church membership, of church discipline, of a culture of discipling, and a good understanding of biblical church leadership. They sound like nine marks of a healthy church. <laughs> Is that the table of contents by any <laughs> chance? You can pick that book up at the bookstall. You, um, you, you asked the question. It's a... It's a Good question, even I've better I've thought about answer. the question before. You have. You've thought about it very well. Um, here's, here's another question. Because of the transients here, I, I think in Washington, D.C., you have members in and out uh, with, with probably more regularity than other places. We do too. Sometimes people come for three years, two years, sometimes even one year, sometimes even six months, three months. Oftentimes as a pastor, I'll have this person come up to me and say, I'm here for just six months, however long. Uh, I'm just going to kind of maybe hang on the sidelines for a bit because sooner than later I'll go back to my home church in my home country. Now, what would you tell that person who just wants to kind of stay on the sidelines, doesn't want to join the church, thinks, oh, I'm not here that long, my home church is somewhere else. What, what would you tell them about, about membership and about joining in to their current community? Yeah, that they're missing a gigantic opportunity. Uh, they don't really know how long they're going to be here. Uh, it's surprising uh, when people move to D.C. that they say, oh, I know I'm going to be here for six weeks. You know, three years later, I'm still talking to them. You know, they're still there. They're still there <laughs> every week. can't get them out of there. Well, you know, one thing happened, and they met this person, and then all of a sudden they did this, they got this, and now they're here. And, you know, and so it's just, we, we don't really know what tomorrow will bring. Hmm. It, basically, the rule of thumb is, if you're living in a place as a Christian, join a church there. Hmm. Now, if you're there, and you, you, you know you're there for two weeks, okay, that's a different matter. <laughs> That'd be a little awkward. You know, but, but, uh, <laughs> but if... Uh, but even if you knew you were going to be someplace for one month, it would be good for the church you go to just to let the pastor know at the door on the way out, 
hey, you know, I'm Tom, I'm, I'm doing this here, I'm, I'm living over there, I'm, I'm going to be here for uh, three or four weeks. Uh, if there's anything I can do to help, uh, I love the Lord, He saved me. I want to do anything I can to learn about the work here to encourage you guys and learn from you. So it's just a good attitude to always have. Wherever we are, you know, we just associate ourselves with other Christians in a local church. We had a great brother named Jaiola from Nigeria. He was only going to be with us for three months. And so he, I think one month in was the, uh, maybe less than that, was the membership class, like in a weekender format. And then maybe the next month was the actual member meeting where he would get voted in to membership. And then he had a couple weeks left. But he really wanted to join, wanted to submit himself to the elders. And it was just a beautiful picture of a man who, yeah, we only had him for a couple weeks, but he went through the process and grew in his faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, dramatically uh, doing that and went back to Nigeria really wanting to find uh, a healthy church. So um, that, 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 that's great advice. Well, one of, one of the goals of our churches here, we talk often about at Redeemer and UCCD and other, others of our churches, is that we want to see a culture of discipleship emerge. Uh, we want to see men meeting with men, studying the Bible, praying, uh, sharing life together. We want to see women meeting with women and doing the same thing. Now, as, as I've observed your life over the past decade, discipleship and pouring into other men is at the really core of your life. I think you even said this week that you're about guys. You're about men. What does that look like for you? What does discipleship look like for you? Is it formal? Is it informal? Is it over, you know, is it over food? Is it over board games in your study? Is it walks? I mean, what, what does discipleship look like for you? Yeah. I think for me as the pastor of a local church, my most important discipling is the public teaching of God's word that I do. Uh, that's what I give a ton of time to preparing for. Uh, that's what I give out to all the guys and women in the church. Uh, and that's the, that's the main way I'm called to disciple in our congregation. Now, individually, one-on-one, yeah, I do also disciple guys. And that tends to, by necessity, for me, be more informal. So I tend not to agree to have weekly meetings just because my ske- I mean, I might be in Dubai one week. You know, and then I'm home, but somebody's in from out of town, and I have to do something that day uniquely, and then... You know, so it just it, the, the weekly time doesn't tend to work real well. But what I'll often do with somebody is I'll give them a book, and I'll say, hey, read this, and when you get, when you get a chapter read, email me uh, or call me, and we'll set up a time to get together and we'll talk about it. And so it's really on them. And if they're in the eager beaver and get back to me in two days, then I'll meet with them that week if I've got time. You know, but if it's three weeks, then that's fine. Then we'll meet up in three weeks whenever they get it done. And I kind of let them set the pace for it. But I'll try to keep pace uh, with whatever they do. You mentioned the, the first thing you mentioned there was, was the public proclamation of the word yeah. as one of your main ways of discipling the congregation. I would assume then that as members of the church, one of the main roles of a member of the church is to be a good hearer of the word, to be an yeah. expositional yeah. listener. I think the yeah. BD uses that term yeah. in what is a healthy church member. Any advice for us here on, on being better hearers of the word as we sit under the teaching on Friday mornings? Yeah, prepare for it. Uh, make sure you're rested before you come. If you know what the passage of Scripture is going to be, read it ahead of time. Read it carefully. Pray about it. Uh, read it every morning if you can uh, before you come. And think through what the main things are in it so that when you come and you listen to a message given in the assembly, you're there actively knowing, like, well, I know this psalm. I've been reading this psalm. I've been thinking about it. Oh, okay, that's what's happening there. And, and you'll just be more likely to be engaged. And if you've prayed over it and the Lord's already begun to convict you and encourage you about certain things, then then you can see that, and I just think you're going to be more sensitive and receptive to that in the sermon. Mm-hmm. That's really, really helpful. That's encouraging. Well, one more question before I get to books. Uh, a lot of pastors, as 
that go about their ministry in the church and even those that give time to writing, you'll see lots of pastors make it their chief aim to uh, maybe pick one or, or more things to be their focus. You see a lot of pastors focus on social justice, mercy ministry. Maybe that's what they talk a lot about from the pulpit. Maybe that's what they write about is maybe digging wells uh, in Africa. Maybe you see some pastors really kind of hold the political flag. I mean, you're in D.C. There's got to be some pastors there that are quite, quite political, maybe even convincing members to, to maybe vote a certain way. You, you can see any number of ways a pastor mm-hmm. could focus on, but you, you've made it your aim to focus on the church. You're writing on the church. Uh, tell, tell us why that has been kind of the banner that you have waved all these years, including nine marks, building healthy churches. I mean, you can't do everything, and that's what you've chosen. A quick theology lesson. For the last 200 years, Protestant evangelical Christianity has been beset by a lack of uh, trust in Scripture. Uh, Theological liberalism, it's called. Uh, People who would say the Bible is not really the Word of God or it's not really inerrant has uh, for 200 years been attacking churches and really inhabiting Protestant denominations and taking over them. Uh, and that, combined with a kind of nominalism, a kind of easy believism among evangelical churches in many churches that I've seen in America and beyond, has left a, a real gaping hole in our witness. And the church that Jesus uh, has built as the centerpiece of the witness of his own character and work, as we've been thinking about in Philippians and First Corinthians, the church was really left bereft and even most of the theological defenses that are given are given about issues of heaven and hell salvation the person work of christ scripture all terribly important topics all of which are great but i didn't see anybody really talking about the church and making an issue of the church and it's the church when it starts working right you, you don't have to be perfect there won't be a perfect church but when it just starts working right all of a sudden all of these other doctrines begin to sparkle and make a difference so everything else comes alive. Without the church working well, this is a lot of, like a lot of dry, dusty arguments between academics or cranky old preachers. But all of a sudden, when the church starts working well, and you see people's lives being transformed, then all of a sudden the divinity of Christ, the authority of Scripture, they kind of matter in their right place. So to me, it seemed like just a very neglected area that somebody needed to talk about. Well, we really appreciate you giving your life, not just to your own local church, but to help us in churches around the world. So thank you, brother, for that. Well, you, you've been answering these questions quite nicely, so I'm not so nervous getting to these questions on books. Here's a well, series. here's this backstory on this. Jonathan it works for Campus Outreach, and last week I spoke at their campus uh, New Year's conference in D.C., and there was a guy interviewing me, Alan, from Jacksonville, and I was... Uh, I was less than nice to Alan. Okay. I was not a good interview. Well, you're doing great now. So well, I'm, I'm in my repentant phase. Oh. So I'm, it's I'm, God's kindness to me after Carson. Yeah, well, it's, just, it's God's kindness to you after Alan, too. Okay. So. <laughs> Poor Alan, but I know Poor how he Alan. feels like. <laughs> yeah. I know what he feels like. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was his Don Carson. Good. Yeah. Everybody needs one. Here we go. Uh, what are the top two, three, four, I'm not asking you for the most quantity-wise, but top two or three books in quantity that you've given away to others? J.I. Packer, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. Because? It just helps people understand in a very simple way how God's sovereignty and our action fit together. Hmm. Other books? Uh, J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Because? Because? Because... Uh, <laughs> You know, we're, like we're, this, we're is really, this is the interviewee that helps the interviewer. That's right. That's we're good. really all about knowing God and 
Jim Packer in that book has just done an amazing job with nice short chapters about helping introduce us to who God is. Anybody else other than J.I. Packer, who's great? Any other books? Uh, yeah, uh, Robert Coleman, Master Plan of Evangelism, a 1960s uh, look at how Jesus took just a few and really invested in them uh, and how God uh, intended to use that as the means to spread the gospel around the world. How about maybe a hidden gem or two, books, Christian books that are edifying, maybe have been edifying to you or maybe to others in your church that maybe we haven't heard about? So just yeah, maybe there's more obscure titles that would really bless us. Uh, your wife was surprised by me mentioning Elizabeth Prentice, Stepping Heavenward, uh, which many women in our church would have as one of their favorite books ever. Elizabeth Prentice, P-R-E-N-T-I-S-S, Stepping Heavenward. It's a 19th century book. Uh, that's a newer book. An older one would be Richard <laughs> Sibbs, uh, Bruised Reed and Smoking Flax. may sound like a very strange title, but uh, an English preacher in the 1600s Sibs is reflecting on how tender God is with us. So the bruised reed he will not break, the smoking flax, you know, like the wick of a candle, he will not put out. Uh, if there's any of God's grace in you, that's a sign that God is going to save you. And it's very encouraging work. That's encouraging, good. Is there a book or two on the Christian life that has most personally impacted you or impacted you in your Christian walk with God? No. Okay, that's more like Carson. <laughs> That's good. Much better. But I, I can recommend John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Wonderful book. Mm-hmm. Kind of book you'll read and read again. If, if we were kind of getting connected to Nine Marks, we got these 40. By the way, where's Ryan? Ryan Townsend. There you are in the back. And Jonathan and Mark, thank you for the 40 books that we were given for free, electronic books that you guys have written. I'm well, just amazed. Jonathan and I were both surprised, Ryan. We didn't need those royalties anyway, so, so thanks, man. Just, yeah. So, yeah, great. Ryan, thank you, brother. Our wives will be sending you thank you cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honey, you said if I gave you all that time. <laughs> Neither of our wives sound like that. I don't know who I, that was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whose wife sounds like that, though. <laughs> Jonathan did not need to get that new kitchen. Don't worry about it. It's not <laughs> yeah, yeah, like other. I, yeah, no. Thank you, thank you, for, thank you for those books. Uh, and I encourage you, please go down there. That is just free writing that that these men have labored hours and hours and hours and years and years uh, to write. Uh, just tremendous gift to have that many books given. So we're on the list. We're looking to download books. Where, where would you start if we haven't read anything, kind of nine marks related? We got these forty free books. What's one or two places that that you'd say start? Well, not to don you. It kind of depends on who it is asking the question, yeah. but I'll go no, ahead. But at least you're going to continue. I think, I think the one that I just gave a copy away, Jonathan's book, Reverberation, is a mm. great one mm. to begin with because it starts with the most important thing, the preaching, and he just very practically with stories and illustrations in big print uh, tells you about what it's like in a local church when the word is preached well. I think a, a little book I did called What is a Healthy Church is a good one to look at just to begin getting an introduction to the conversation. Um, yeah, those would be two okay. good places. Well, I'm about to give a book giveaway in a minute, and uh, Pastor Josh Manley, if you would come on up. I don't know where you are sitting. There you are. Uh, pastor Josh is the pastor of the RAK Evangelical Church, and we're going to ask him to pray in just a moment. Uh, I don't have what is the gospel up here, but tell us, 
we have who is Jesus back there and what is the gospel, both, both written by Greg Gilbert. Can you tell us the difference and, and yeah. tell us about it's, who is Jesus? It's a newer one. Many of us have read what is the gospel. This is my favorite one Greg has written, who is Jesus. What is the gospel is a great book if you've got a religious person who wants to know what the gospel is. So if they want to know about Christianity. But if you've got a non-religious friend or just a curious friend, this book, I think, is a more winsome presentation of Jesus himself. Greg's just, he's done a good job in what is the gospel. He has done a great job in who is Jesus. Just a wonderful read. Thanks, brother. Thanks thanks for answering my questions. Uh, Josh Manley, if you would come on up. I think we'll, there's a mic for you if you would just lead us in prayer for Mark. Thank you. Hey, Josh. Pray for Mark. Lord, we do give you thanks that Christ Jesus ascended on high and has given gifts to your church. And so we thank you for Mark and for the ministry he's had to so many even in this room personally and how he has ministered to so many pastors even in this nation and throughout the world. Lord, we give you thanks and praise he's here with us tonight. We pray for him. We pray first you would encourage him in his own marriage. We give you thanks for Connie for the gift that she is in giving Mark to so many churches and allow him to travel like this. We pray you bless her even as he's away this weekend. Mm-hmm. Lord, we pray you would encourage him as the pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. We thank you for the long ministry he's had on Capitol Hill of preaching your word and proclaiming Christ there. Lord, we thank you for the many conversions and the ways that many churches have been built up through that ministry. And we pray, Lord, you would continue to equip and give much grace to Mark. Give him grace to carry out and fulfill every calling that you give him. Give him grace to continue to preach your word faithfully and with power by your spirit. Lord, we pray you would encourage him and bless him in his work at Nine Marks. We pray that he would have wisdom in how to steward his time and the opportunities that you give him. Lord, we pray that you would continue to fill him with your spirit, that he might be used mightily for the sake of your church and for the glory of Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we would continue to be benefited through his preaching and his teaching even tonight. We pray this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, man. You guys may be seated. While I do a couple book giveaways... Before, and you guys can set that up, that would be fine. Uh, a couple book giveaways. First book, I'm going to give away.